Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. It's so great to have you here, Stephen. Oh, thanks for having me. Oh, my <laughs> guest on my own show? Point taken. I know where the door is, and I'll walk towards it. Slam! Out of your life! Um, we have a bunch of stuff to talk about this episode. It's exciting. You and I I'm have like excited, yeah. been looking forward to this one. It's weird that like so much stuff happens in a week, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. Especially, I feel like it's, I mean, it's the whole year, but I feel like especially with games like September and on any week, yeah. we'll just be like, here's eight new things. Yeah. Uh, very much incredible. But yeah, all, all good stuff. I think we're going to open quickly addressing some Nintendo news. I know you had some thoughts on, uh, some things that were announced in the, in the somewhat recent direct a couple weeks ago yeah yeah not too much honestly i mean one of the big things is um the hyrule warriors age of calamity demo which you and i are going to talk about later because both of us have played it so that was like kind of i think the most interesting one in terms of like first party nintendo stuff dropping yeah they said it was the last partner direct of of the year um they didn't say the last direct of the year which i think is worth noting but i don't know who knows maybe we'll see something maybe we won't We'll get an email being like, Breath of the Wild 2, you might be a winner. It's like spam. That's how you download it. That was like that was like the that was like the biggest, I think, like exciting announcement there. The one that I am most interested in, um, I wrote a piece about this for the uh for the medium. So you can find that. I don't know, I'll link to it in the show notes. Or if you go to Into the Casa online and click on the medium link, you'll find it there. But anyway, the biggest thing that I thought was like the most fascinating and like totally changes what this Nintendo Switch is, is uh, the control cloud version that got announced yeah. uh, along with what was the other one? Um, oh, Hitman 3. They, they announced a, a cloud version for Hitman 3 as well. And like I saw the Hitman 3 trailer. I was like, what does cloud version mean? That sounds really bizarre. And then they said, you know, control has a cloud version. It's coming out today and you can like go check it out. And I immediately downloaded it because I was like, I got to see what this is. So control for those of you who don't know, uh, well, I, we actually talked about it a little bit in last week's episode, weirdly enough, um, in, in the context of Alan Wake, because it's a yeah. it's a remedy game. But um, control is kind of like, I don't know, a, a Twin Peaksy X-Files kind of vibe. I know the exact episode. I'm going to out Trek you again for our own show since I'm a guest. Oh, it was, la- it was last fan. week, though. Well, it was last week, but all, if you want to hear like the episode on Control, it's oh, Miss we did an episode on Control. Oh my god, I don't remember last that. Last year, yeah, Miss Piggy's Object of Power is the Control episode. Oh yes, yes, yes. Oh yeah. man, yeah, I do remember that now. Okay, yeah. Um, Are you the guest, Brendan? <laughs> I might, I might be the guest. You know where the door is. I'm the cloud version. <laughs> also, I'm gonna say it. It's gonna happen. Literally finished over the garden wall thirty seconds before recording, and I'm like. <laughs> Every second of this episode is me not singing A's for the apple that he gave to me. Yeah. I know this means nothing to you, but like, just know that that's where my energy is <laughs> If you at haven't right watched now. Over the Garden Wall, you should watch it. It's available. Do it. It's so good. Uh, where is it now? HBO Max? HBO Max. Yeah. Um, that's where I watched it. Yeah. It used to be on Hulu, but I think when HBO Max launched, they moved it over there. But anyway, Over the Garden Wall. Had a great time. One Incredible. of the greatest pieces of animated media, I think maybe ever. Um, yeah. I watch it every year and you should too, dear listener. I'm going to start annually watching it maybe weekly anyway really good <laughs> but i'm fighting the urge to sing as always but intensified by a is the apple that it gave to me but i found the world okay we gotta move on it's great uh, oh you got it out of your system um yeah i got it out i don't think you did i didn't either <laughs> Anyway, uh, Control's cloud version, uh, essentially what that is or what that means, uh, because I was very curious, it essentially means that you are downloading like a launcher onto your Switch. So it's going to take like a second. If you go to like download the Control uh, uh, cloud version on your Switch right now, it'll take like a second to download. It's free, technically, like in the eShop when you download it, it's free. Um, And you get like a 10 to 15 minute demo. And what it's doing is streaming the game to your Switch. Uh, It is like 
the equivalent of PlayStation Now, Google Stadia, uh, Microsoft's Project X Cloud. Like it is that, but for the Nintendo Switch, um, which is a just wild in general that that just got kind of like announced and dropped and released out of nowhere. B, I guess it's worth noting that it, like it's not out of nowhere because they've been testing it in Japan with a couple of games over the past, I don't know, year or so. But what I think is so fascinating about it is like, Nintendo really doesn't have any part in this at all. It, it's really all like publishers and developers making these deals and like they're outsourcing the cloud software to other companies. So there, I think in that case, there's like a company called uh, Ubitus or something U, at Ubitus. I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce it, but um, it's, it's a company somewhere that like essentially just will handle all of that for a publisher or a developer, which I think is going to open the door for like a ton of other developers and publishers doing this with their games instead of porting games to the switch. You'll be able to have these cloud versions that like in the case of control, when you open control up, you can choose between performance mode or graphics mode. Uh, and if you pick graphics mode, like that game runs like with ray tracing at like highest settings. It is gorgeous. I mean, it looks like it's being like it's streamed video coming to the switch, but like you can sure see the incredible uh, results of like adding ray tracing to that game, which is a game that already has amazing art direction uh, and is just like gorgeous in its use of light, like adding all of this like real time uh, like specular shit to the way the like harsh red light flows through fog or like being able to see your own reflection in like uh, I don't know, little like brass plaques on the side of the wall and stuff like shocking. It looks amazing. And it's wild that the the place that I can see the highest visual uh, fidelity version of control right now is on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, and you could just download it for, for free and like play it for 15 minutes and check it out for yourself. That is wild. I think if you want to like buy the game, uh, like if it runs well on your Internet and you want to buy the game, I think it's like 30 bucks, which like honestly is not a bad price for control. It's a great game. On my end, like checking it out, it worked really well. Like, oh, like I didn't notice really any latency at all. It's worth noting I have like above average Internet. Um, but I just think this like really kind of changes the nature of what the Nintendo Switch is in a really wild way. I think it's like I don't think Nintendo knows what kind of like Pandora's box they allowed in their ecosystem by saying to publishers and developers like, oh, if you want to just do this, you can do this instead of porting the game to the Switch. Because now it means like any time a game is going to come out, a developer is going to have to sit there and say, is it worth the money to like actually create a native port for this to the Switch? Or do we instead just buy a bunch of like server space in this third party company and then just stream the game natively to the switch as like video so we don't have to port it at all and that means that a bunch of people are going to start downloading and playing games on their switch where they need to be at home connected to fast internet to be able to play it um it kind of like changes the nature of like what is so interesting about the switch i think which is like the portability this idea that like it's a thing that you can have on the go or you could like play it at home. You know, you're playing console quality games wherever you are kind of goes out the window when you have to have a persistent, like really strong Internet connection the yeah. whole time. Not yeah. that this is bad. I mean, I think this is cool. It's cool to like expand what's possible. Um, but I do feel like it is a little like Pandora's boxy uh, in a way. I honestly I wonder like how I like, I wouldn't be surprised if this never happens again. Like on the on the flip side of it, like I just don't know. Like you said, Nintendo's not really like making a big deal out of it on their end. They're just sort of like, here's the thing you can do. Yeah, and like I agree, like conceptually, it's something that like could change the way it works. I just don't see that ever overpowering what the selling point of the Switch is, like you just alluded to with like the the portability. But even past that, like the games you get the Switch for 
and all that. Like, yeah. I, just, I don't know. I, um, I also think too, like considering like, okay, what kind of connection to the internet do you have in order to like fully get that on the switch? You've got to get an adapter for an ethernet cord, which is like an additional $70. Oh, so yeah. like if you, you're can, just... yeah, you can do that. Yeah, that is I, I was doing it over Wi-Fi in handheld mode. Oh, OK. Which was like pretty good, surprisingly, considering like I, th- I think one of the most well-known things about the Switch's hardware is like the Wi-Fi card is really bad. I was surprised that it That's was what I was going to say. Yeah, I, I was surprised it yeah. worked as well as it did. But so we, we already know about Control. We know about Hitman 3, uh, the company Ubitus that, that did it for uh, for Remedy and 505 Games for Control has said that they are working with a bunch of other AAA publishers to like put this technology in their games as well. So That's cool. I think for like people who only have the Switch, like this is awesome, right? If you oh, didn't yeah, have totally. a way to play Control until now, like this is not a bad way to do it if you have the internet. I mean, it's like such a small subsect of people that will be able to take advantage of it. But if this is your only way to do it and like you can, you should play Control because it's really good. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm all about like having access to games that are previously exclusives. I just don't know like how well it's going to work down the road, but like it's definitely a cool possibility. I'm excited to see like what unfolds from it. But yeah. yeah, I'm just waiting to see like Cyberpunk show up on the Switch via this or something, you know, like that's really possible. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I mean, if The Witcher 3 is on Switch, it's not unthinkable, but Cyberpunk has to come out first, too. So that's that's also you know, true. The bigger, the bigger <laughs> thing with that game but i know i know what you're getting at like i think i hope that in the next generation we, we just continuously move away from exclusivity in general mm. and you know no matter what form it takes like having a way to get your game on every system in the way you want it to look yeah is very exciting yeah whether or not this is it i don't know but it's cool that they're trying to do that i agree i i think actually you just gave me like a little mini brain blast about this uh, because (laughs) one of the more interesting things that people have been speculating for a long time is like, is Microsoft going to release game pass on the switch, like as an app that you can download and like mess around with and then like stream all that stuff through X cloud. If Nintendo is playing by the kind of same rules that Apple is, because Apple is currently rejecting the game pass app as well. If Nintendo is playing by the same rules then like what Microsoft could do is they could say like every game on game pass is individually downloadable on the Nintendo switch technically. Um, and launches, but like streams via xCloud the same way Control does, which could mean that like Microsoft exclusive games don't need to be exclusive to Microsoft anymore. Um, You know, things that were like, so like Ori and the Blind Forest is a game that they ported to the Nintendo Switch, but like maybe in the future they won't need to port like the Halo Master Chief collection. Like you'll be able to download it and then stream it through xCloud the same way you're playing Control right now. That is, that is a fascinating thing that I hadn't thought about, but like is also really possible because Microsoft is so open to putting their stuff on other platforms. They like love to do it. <laughs> totally uh, yeah so i could see them doing that actually that'd be really interesting i don't think sony ever will i don't think no, so- sony won't no like yeah i i don't like i don't know god of war 2 is not going to be available on nintendo <laughs> switch um, until sony has fallen definitively into last place in the next generation yeah not that it's a competition, but like until they like clear, like I was actually looking at the list of like historically the top selling systems ever. Mm. And PS4 is like in the top five. I didn't realize like how much for context. I think like the only Nintendo system on there that's sold over 100 million units is the Wii. The Switch, which is considered a success, is like 60 million. Yeah. So like PS4, even with Nintendo's comeback, has still like twice the units the Switch does. Yeah. So I get why they're like, well, it's working, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not, I don't think that's, I don't think their strategy of like just hoarding games and like not really changing anything is going to be like a long term good strategy. I agree. I think you and I yeah. talked about this like eons ago, like maybe like first couple episodes. Uh, 
it was when PlayStation wasn't allowing crossplay between uh, the PS4 and other platforms for Fortnite. And and you and I, I think the discussion that we had essentially was something along the lines of like, that is going to turn a bunch of kids away from like owning a PlayStation 4 or like a PlayStation device later in life when they become like people who will grow up and have money and decide what console to buy. They'll like, remember that. That's a the thing they're going to remember is like, oh, Sony says I can't play with my friends. So why would I do that? Like, why would I buy the next PlayStation? <laughs> the children will remember this. They like, will. Tell-tale. I really do think that they will. Um, and and I think that this I think that's going to be true of the like console exclusivity stuff that they're doing at the moment. Also, I, I really think like long term, I just saw an interview with Jim Ryan, who's like the head of PlayStation. And he said a lot of shit that I like vehemently disagree with. He was talking recently about backwards compatibility and why they're not adding it to the PlayStation 5. They were like, well, we tried that with the PS4. And nobody took advantage of it. It's like you you released like Kelly Slater Pro Surfer only <laughs> like as, <laughs> as like the backwards compatible PS2 game. Like it's not shocking that people didn't like fall over themselves to download it from the PlayStation store. So anyway, the, the thing that he was talking about recently was like the strategy for like continuing their success with the PS5. And they were like, we're just going to have great games, baby. And like, that was the whole strategy. It's like, we're just going to keep doing the thing that we're doing. Like you got to You got to look forward a little bit. You know? Yeah, totally. Uh, that actually does worry me a bit. Yeah. And I mean, again, like I'd love for the PS5 to be good. I will probably eventually get one. But um, I there's a reason why I switched my pre-order to Xbox. And like, I'm so excited for. Yeah. And that's a very Steven thing. And yes, it's like half oblivion, but you know, <laughs> uh, I think that game pass and like, there was actually a great Polygon article written by, I think Chris Plant actually, that was about playing 360 games on the oh, series yeah. X. And like, like, I think it was crackdown. He used an example of like, this is a game that came out and like kind of came and went, but like you can play it now with like no loading times. Mm-hmm. It's running at, with the power of the new system. It's as if you can finally, I think this is what he says in the article. It's like you can finally experience the 360 games as they were like dreamed of being, but were cut short by, you know, technology or budget or yeah. whatever. So that idea of like not even a remaster, but just like playing those older games at like a higher power, like, you know, mm-hmm. it's almost like getting a better speaker, but like yeah. it's a better, you know, like engine for it. Is it's yeah. really exciting to me. You can hear the harp solo in the background now because your speakers <laughs> are better. I, I've been streaming Bloodborne, which I'll continue to do uh, probably this Friday. But a lot of people, or not a lot of people, but a few people in chat were saying, like, imagine Bloodborne with, like, quick loading times. Yeah. And, like, that's exactly what would happen. And I'm not I'm not even a stickler for, like, I don't, unless it's noticeable, I don't really think of it. But I do think that that seems to be the thing that may or may not go away in this new generation. Mm-hmm. And, like, it is something that, like, once you're cognizant of, you're like, oh, my God, like, this is changing everything. You yeah. know, like, this is, like, really, and, and I think, too, I mean, Bloodborne is a game that at least took creative liberties with the loading screen. We're like, here's a little bit of lore while you wait five minutes yeah. to get your ass kicked. Do you remember when Bloodborne first launched? Did you play Bloodborne right when it came out i got it later i know that when it came out it was like real bad yeah they didn't times. so the yeah. loading times were awful and they didn't have any lore on the screen at all it was just the oh. bloodborne logo <laughs> on the bottom right uh oh so God. they added that as like a, a hot fix for people who were upset that the loading times were that bad which was great um but yeah they have actually gotten better but i do think like that is the one benefit i think of like the ps4 stuff being backwards compatible on the ps5 is that like bloodborne is totally. hopefully gonna run so well i'm actually really yeah. excited to play bloodborne on the ps5 when that happens yeah and i'm glad that like i think it's like a list of like 10 or so games but like mo- it's basically 
PS4 backwards compatible. Yeah, like, yeah. There's yeah. They the fact that they made a list of what games aren't compatible, I think, says everything about how many are. You know, right, right. Um, which is good. But uh, I I don't know Th- this this thing with Xbox being backwards compatible all the way. You know, not every game, but like backwards compatible to the original Xbox. I think is like only going to get better and better and better as time goes on. Like I think that totally. that value proposition is so fascinating it's so intriguing and like is the kind of thing that i personally like can almost morally get behind you know i mean it, oh, yeah. it, it gets down to like what you and i were talking about with alan wake last week we're like that is game preservation in a way you know they're doing it better than playstation's doing it and they're doing it way better than nintendo is doing it um oh yeah, yeah. and it's also allowing for a game to maybe find an audience later on mm-hmm. you know because i think like it's so i mentioned this i think last episode but it's like there's such a rush for for a critical and commercial consensus on games when they come out like it's like everyone needs to figure out exactly what this means how relevant it is in the medium Mm -hmm. if it's worth buying for how much you know and and with everything else like a movie can come out and flop and then like five years later it's like eight million youtube essays are about how it's a masterpiece and (laughs) it's like the thing to talk about to sound cool like oh yeah i actually love casablanca um (laughs) (laughs) but uh i think that could happen with games too and we're seeing that with with a few like wouldn't wouldn't you want like when the next elder scrolls game to come out for for the xbox (laughs) store to be like hey we have skyrim and oblivion and morrowind all on sale right now like you know a, a couple months before the next elder scrolls game comes out it's like you can play the the history of this franchise like yeah that's awesome it's incredible it's cool that's just there they're all on the store already you could go play all of them i don't know i love that i think it's great just play morrowind we're just begging you yeah i'm so gonna play morrowind when i get the new xbox (laughs) me too i've actually that's the that's the one of the modern modern but the like the recent elder scrolls trilogy that i haven't put as much time into but it's so i love the world and the like design of the monsters and everything it's great yeah that's gonna be a weird time i'm excited for it anyway controls cloud version on the nintendo (laughs) switch uh you can go check it out cloud versions are a thing that are fascinating and are coming uh well they're they're already here so go check it out i guess uh, you want to move on and talk about the actual video games we were talking about? That was way longer than I think either of us well, Yeah, why don't we take a quick break and then we'll get into the game. Because I'd rather, I want to give it proper uh, pomp and circumstance. Oh, yeah. Totally. I don't like, anyway, this game that I love. Yeah. You know, let's, let's take, let's reset. Yeah. It is a Game Pass game. It's worth noting, though. So there, there is a little bit of a connected connection. tissue between yeah. the two Nothing segments. Nothing to do with Oblivion, though. Uh, a little bit. Those mages. Yeah. Okay, see you next see you next time, aka <laughs> after the break. For some pomp and circumstance. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that was Macho Man's theme song when he entered the ring. No. Yeah, his like his ring song was Pomp and Circumstance. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. That's the Olympics. What game are we talking about? What game we're talking about? We are talking about Eichenfell. Oh yeah, I was about to ask how you pronounce it. Yeah, I also pronounce it Eichenfell. I'm an Eichenfell pronouncer. The 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 creator of the game actually tweeted that like even amongst the people who worked on the on the game, they all pronounce it differently as well. Yeah. Um, so there's no canonical way to pronounce it, but I say I can fill. I also say I can fill. I like the way, I like the way it rolls off the tongue. I can fill. Um, it came out earlier in October for every system. It's on Game Pass, like Brendan said. It's on Switch. It's on PS4. It's on Steam. Everything. Yeah. No cloud version. 
<laughs> no cloud version yeah uh, also worth noting it's 20 bucks and i uh spoiler love this game and i say get it because because <laughs> even if it's like not fully for you this is the kind of stuff i i want to encourage people to support you know mm, like yeah uh, i think that it's 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 wonderful i'll get into i'll get into what i'm really liking about it but it's a game we've both been really enjoying yeah i started playing it on game pass i i downloaded it the day it came out because it was just like oh new game pass game it's like an indie game kind of has like a cool vibe to it i just was curious about it i really loved the uh hero image they were using for the art um yeah so i was like okay yeah lovely. cool i'll check this out and started playing i played it for like maybe 30 minutes and immediately texted you i was like this is so your game like <laughs> <laughs> like i like it i think it's good but like you're gonna love this thing yeah and then you started playing you got it for ps4 immediately you streamed it um so you can head over to our youtube and check that out and uh and and check out like what was it the first hour two hours i would say the first two hours yeah you wrote in the chat uh it's so fun to hear steven fall in love yeah uh, was your exact words yeah um it's so good i mean it's so good so like a, a kind of like top level vibe of this game essentially is um like imagine a celeste art style with like a top down kind of uh pokemon style rpg um visually so you you play as a, a character named marit who uh learns magic all of a sudden and uh decides to go to Iconfell school or Iconfell academy i forget what it's actually called but they go uh, to, to check out um, this school specifically because her sister is missing. Uh, she hasn't heard from her sister in a long time um, and is is trying to find her, essentially, uh, which, you know, kind of unravels this uh, big mysterious plot. Uh, it involves you uh, doing a whole bunch of uh, mystical, magical battles, uh, making friends, making enemies, uh, all that fun stuff. Uh, and just kind of like exploring an extremely charming and fascinating world. I mean, just like, honestly... I, I would say like the 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 tippy top level thing for me that I think is is most interesting, the thing that I'm most surprised by, not surprised by, but like impressed by, I think, is I mean, how many magical school stories have we heard or read over the years? You know? To have yeah. to have a new and interesting take on that, like this late in the game, I think is really impressive, <laughs> you know? I think I think the reason it works is because you're not going there. You're investigating the place itself. Like yeah, it's, very much. It's kind of like everything has kind of gone wrong there. So you're, it's almost like like the ruins of a of a magic school in a way. Yeah, it's 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 alluded to that it's like summer break. So like no none of the students are really there. Right. Uh, there's like a groundskeeper who's like constantly being played by vines in the way. He's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. But yeah. The, the <laughs> protagonist is what they call an ordinary and like the first battle you're in, she can only throw rocks and then suddenly she can use magic, which is like something that's explored later on in the story. Yeah. And there's a framing device that I really like where there's like an absent sibling that the character, the protagonist is like overshadowed by in a lot of ways. Yes. Which is like interesting. It reminds me a lot of like the older brother in Fooly Cooley, who's like a professional baseball player. <laughs> yeah. Or like, it, it's a common thing. I don't know why it works well for me, uh, but like, I think because we are beginning the game with a pre existing relationship the player isn't privy to, but we're learning it through like uncovering memories of her older sister at the school. And everyone we meet in the game through Marie, like, knows her older sister, but not her. Yeah. And that's kind of explored, like, and there's the, even though, like, uh, Marie or Marite, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, has become this, like, chosen one, she's still, like, kind of jealous of, like, yeah. her sister getting all the attention and, like, 
you know, there's a there's a plot beat where your first two party mates, like she learns that uh, her sister Safina or Seth, they call her mm-hmm. for short, never mentioned that she had a sister. Yeah, she's like the whole time first, she was in school. Yeah, yeah, she's like first I live in her shadow, then I don't get magic powers. And then, you know, even when I come here to get my sister, she pretends like I don't even exist. Yeah. Uh, which I'm sure that will be explored more. Yeah, that, um, that so feels like the beginning of a, of a plot thread. Yeah, but all that to say, I mean, I think the reason we're talking about the setting and the characters before we even discuss the mechanics is because, like, it's just a really well-written game with, like, an incredible cast. And for yeah. me, that's, like, the best and most important thing about an RPG. Yeah. Um, you know, like, it could... I think Octopath is, is a good example of a game that has, like, incredible mechanics, but the story is, like, very okay. Yeah. And eventually you'll be like, I don't care anymore. Like, I care so much about this cast already. I'm about, like... I would say seven hours in. It seems to be anywhere between 20 and 30 hours based oh, on wow. what I've read. Cool. Yeah, it's like a, that's the thing. It's like, that's why I'm like, just buy it. It's a, it's a full ass RPG for, for way too little for what you're getting. <laughs> and I just, I would love to, I think this is the developer's first game. I think their Happy Ray Games is published by Humble Games, who have published a lot of cool stuff like Slay the Spire and other indie games. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's just a really, I, I think when you play it, you know, it has this retro style. I mean, you said earlier, like how many stories have we seen in a magic school and you could still make that interesting i would add to that like how many purposely retro rpgs are there in existence right and like yeah you know the fact that this game is taking the two like most overdone things ever and making it so fresh and so engaging mm-hmm. is is so impressive i really like the protagonist i think RPGs sometimes have a bad habit of making the protagonist like the least interesting person. Yeah. And I think he or she is by far the most interesting because she's like a normal person that suddenly gets these powers and is very much like interested in why and like... Yeah. She's like a little bit unhinged in a way because like... Because she's been in her sister's shadow for so long and she's like almost like fed up with the fact that like magic is everywhere and she has not been privy to it for so long, you know? So so there are all these like pre-existing relationships between... uh, you know your party members and like maybe some of the faculty at the school and some of the students at the school and stuff and marie just wants like none of it she just doesn't care at all you know she's like i don't i don't care that you two have beef like we have to work together for xyz reasons you know which is great i I think it's really fun she cuts to the chase a lot which i think is a great thing for protagonists to do to right she's a good leader she has she has the skills for it but also has like the kind of temperament that could backfire Mm -hmm. and it's intensified by the fact that her magic is fire like all her attacks are yes. about either motivation or just burning down the battlefield yeah and that's something that i really love like every character's abilities are very much like who they are yeah. which like i love to see but for the battle system this game has a really interesting mechanical setup it's drawing from a lot of games and again like it's a combination that like probably shouldn't work as well as it does and i've read like in the late game, there's like a difficulty curve that's kind of absurd. I haven't experienced that mm. yet, but I, I could see that happening. It's a hard game. Yeah. It's not easy. I am. I'm starting. So I'm a little bit further than you. I'm, I'm I think I'm also around seven hours in, but I think I'm like going uh, maybe a little bit of a faster clip. But I am already hitting points where I'm like, I'm under leveled and I actually don't know how to like grind for experience if I even wanted to like because there are so few random battles out in the world or like they're kind of hard to like re-trigger in certain instances. So I actually don't know how to level up faster, you know, to like take on some of the stuff that I'm fighting. 
Yeah, like in an area when you kill an enemy, they're like it's kind of the Chrono Trigger style of you see them on the map and when you you know, bump into them, the battle starts and uh, once you kill them, they're gone. It seems that the only place where enemies like respawn is like in the wilderness, like in the campus grounds. Yeah, or in dungeons, which are essentially just like different buildings in the school. If you leave those buildings, then go back into them. You can refight those enemies. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. Sometimes. Um, yeah. But the way the battle system works is it's set up kind of like a classic, you know, Final Fantasy four setup where you've got your party on one side and the enemies on another really lovely pixel art and like the animations are just awesome. Yeah, they're really good. And uh, there's also kind of a grid system. So it's a little bit like Final Fantasy Tactics where when you select an enemy, they can like it shows what squares they can move to. And then when they go, they move, you can choose what actions they do. And it will show like every attack they have has a different kind of range and a different kind of ability. What's really nice is that you can always go back and remove in case you like messed up. Yes. Uh, there are a lot of really as 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 difficult as the game can be. There's so many good quality of life things where like save points are everywhere. They're cats that you pet yeah. that give you all your health back before a boss happens. Like they give you a chance to save like before you engage. And you can if you lose a battle, you can restart from that battle, even if it's not a boss fight. Just like things every RPG fan wants to see. It's just like such a breath of fresh air. And the way the battling works, you know, you had that grid, you have those abilities. Yeah, it's a three by 12 grid, just I guess for like, yeah, it's it's this like almost long hallway. So you have your three when you eventually have three party members, you know, you have your three party members all the way on one side on the right and then whatever enemies you're fighting all the way on the left. And you're kind of like moving them around this long hallway. Um, So position is really important, but also, you know, you're just like traversing a lot of space, essentially. And it's something I've wanted to see a lot more RPGs play with this idea of like of enemy placement, because you see that in tactics games and you see that in like D&D, but not as much in turn based combat. Yeah, it's like a really nice middle ground. In addition to all of that, you also have like right out of the early Paper Mario games, you've got timed attacks. So every attack has like kind of a little like uh, animation where if you put push the command button at the right time you either get a great if it's perfect you get a great if you get it you get a nice and if you miss you get an oops yeah same thing that happens when an enemy attacks you and you time it right when they hit you same thing and what that means is like obviously if you get a great it's like for your attack you do the most damage uh if you do an oops though it may not even work like there are some attacks that like have like a one of your party mates has this ability where he can basically steal an item from an enemy yeah and like it's this big eye and like a circle closes in and if you mess that up you don't get the item so stuff like that this seems to be the biggest point of tension with a lot of the reviews i've read after the fact Mm. and a lot of like discourse i've seen about it i think it's surprisingly well done i think that like this is something that can that really works well in the early paper mario games and that works horribly in the newest paper mario game (laughs) because there are so many different types of attacks you never really can intuitively guess when they're gonna happen right and the timing at least i found origami king to be kind of like unparsable with the timing with this game it, it there is a little bit of trial and error especially when you get like a new party man you're not familiar with their attacks yeah or if you're fighting a new enemy i mean every time you fight a new enemy suddenly it's like oh god oh god oh god am i gonna like get completely eviscerated by this thing i've been surprised at my ability to usually do it that being said two two big points on this i do think even though i love this battle system and it's so fresh and such a good idea the difference between like failing or succeeding is huge yeah 
and and it feels like it has accidentally become the focal point of battle when I'm not certain if the designers wanted it to be. Like I think with everything else going on, it doesn't seem like that should be the make or break thing. Yeah. Um, because you're thinking about your placement on the map and what abilities you're using. There's enough strategy there that making timing like the end-all be-alls in moments is a little bit frustrating. Right. That being said, there are accessibility options, a ton, really good accessibility options. I was options just to mention like, this, yeah. You can basically turn that off if you don't want it. Yeah, so but there that, are three levels of it. I actually think it's worth yeah. touching on. So there are three levels of this. As you mentioned, there's there's oops, nice, and great uh, as your three kind of like success uh, variables. You can change the game's uh, timing options so that you will always get nice as your base level. Um, they call it semi-auto uh, success. Um, so you won't get oops anymore, which means that like you won't just get completely annihilated uh, very quickly. If like you're not good at timing or, you know, for accessibility reasons, like, you know, you just can't do it. Um, you have that option, which is great. I think that's good. So like base level, like nice. And then you have to try to get great, which honestly, like I switched over to that at some point while I was playing and has really, really like changed my relationship with the battle system in a way where I feel like it's no longer the focus on timing as much. It's nice to get great. Don't get me wrong. Like I love when I get great, um, but I'm no longer in like constant fear of getting an oops and like having that just be the end of it. Um, yeah, because like, I, I the, agree with you there. And then there's another uh, version that's just called full auto, which makes it so yeah. you always get great. Um, and that's when you're attacking and defending, which I haven't done, but I have to imagine makes the game very easy. But also like if there's a situation in which you just want to play the story, you know, or you don't want to deal with timing at all for like literally any reason, um, go flip that on. And I'm sure you're going to have a good time because as Steve and I have denoted already, because we're talking about the battle system second and the story first the story is really good i mean it's yeah it's worth doing that if you just want to experience the story um but i'm having a really good time i think semi-auto is like maybe my favorite way to play this game that sounds like the way i mean i'm at a point where i'm not getting oops super often but like just for context like so at this point in the game your characters have around 20 health I yeah. fought an enemy who had a common attack that attacked twice. And for one of the characters, the difference between nice and oops was eight points. So that's a difference between like if I if I did nice, yeah. it would do four twice. So eight or 16. Yeah, like that's that felt like it was an accident mm-hmm. <laughs> Like because that wasn't even supposed to be like a especially challenging boss. That being said, like. That's also going to be determined by their defense stat. And like the stat, like leveling up once in this game does a huge amount of like boost to the stats. So there are going to be characters who like get affected by attacks differently. I've kept it all in place because I... I have found that I still love the combat, even though it has those little moments and I can plan around it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love Persona and Persona's obsessed with one shot kill enemies. They love it. <laughs> and I hate it. I hate it every time. It's never fun. It's only stressful. And they're like, how about this enemy that does a one shot kill? Uh, the head of a burger company. Here he goes. Um <laughs> So I, I could see myself maybe later in the game if there is that like sudden jump in difficulty going to semi-auto. But all that to say, like they are pulling from so many different styles of RPG combat here that like this has become one of, I think, the most interesting versions of turn-based combat I've played recently. And I do like the timing. I think that it's like it adds a really nice variant. It's just like sometimes a little bit too life or death for me, mm. but that can be adjusted, which is awesome. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, everything like the presentation is lovely. The music. Music is great. Um, oh, we talked about so this. Good. Music's lovely. It's on Spotify. Highly recommend. There are like 
three songs where there's randomly singing, uh, which like I love in theory, but like for some reason threw me off a little bit, like in the moment. I feel like they would work really well. If this was a show, but something about like you're playing an RPG for like six hours and then suddenly there's like a song like threw me off a little bit. Mm. But like it, it fits in with the tone of the game for sure. Yeah. And like does not change my relationship with it in any way. Without just like, oh, okay. saying or spoiling anything, <laughs> I think it might have something to do with the uh, musical moment that happens in 13 Sentinels that has oh. like completely changed my relationship with musical moments like that in video games, maybe forever. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. I think, I think they want those moments to feel big and maybe some of the later ones do at this point, only one of the songs has had lyrics. Mm-hmm. And it felt a little bit too like uh, like it was a fun song and it fit, it fits the character who you're battling against. Yeah, I was gonna but, say. Yeah, I, I think contextually it makes sense. Yeah, but I think again, I think it just was a little bit confusing. But like all that to say, still an incredible soundtrack. Also worth noting too, like it's a really diverse cast, which was great to see. Yeah. Like there's a lot that of was the next queer thing I was characters. Talk about. Like yeah. It's got amazing representation, which is like always such a bummer for most RPGs. Like that's like usually the worst quality. Mm-hmm. Like it's so it's so rare to see characters who are other kinds of people. Like as much as I'm excited for FF16, it's a white dude named Clive. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> right. uh, it's great to see characters who are all kinds of people like explore this really fun setting. Yeah. And it, it, ha- it has a very like I would say in tone, it feels very Steven Universe. It feels very, um, honestly, big Undertale vibes, too. Like, the happy parts of Undertale. But there is... (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if there is, like, a little bit more darkness near the end of this game. Because, like, there are moments where they're kind of planting the seeds of, like, shit really hitting the fan. And it hasn't happened yet. But I wouldn't be surprised if it does. Yeah. But, like... All in all, like a very optimistic and like feel good game with proper stakes and great characters. Like it's really everything I want in an RPG, honestly. Yeah, truly. I'm feeling currently like I'm maybe around a third to a halfway through the game. That's how I feel. And as far as I can tell currently, there isn't a big bad present yet. Um, And maybe it's a situation where like we'll meet one later. But I do find it very interesting that there isn't kind of like an end all be all enemy yet because I am starting to think think that like the darkness in this game is going to come from like some big plot reveal about someone we already know or something you know like I, yeah. it seems like a lot of the conflict that happens in this game is either like you know you're at a magic school so like you're fighting a big uh gloppy gloop that is blocking the door or something you know and like that's the big boss for this area because you know you're at a magic school and that's just how things happen or alternatively like you're playing with some dark magic that you really shouldn't be fucking around with you know and like everyone knows how to do that but you don't know that yet because you haven't been a magician for very long um or you, so, <laughs> i'm a new magician yeah so i don't know I'm, I'm really interested to see where the story goes i the thing that i wanted to talk to you about um or the reason i wanted to have this discussion on the show in particular is like when i played this game initially i knew it was for you immediately what i didn't expect <laughs> is that i was going to spend all of my free time playing it like mm. any moment that i have had free and been able to play video game the first thing i do is i turn on i can fill so i i should note i played it on game pass first i started playing it on game pass um and and then got it on switch because i wanted to take it with me and like play it in bed and stuff um yeah and it's great on switch i just worth noting great on switch but i this does not seem like a game that i would like this much uh but it very much is and i'm really enjoying it i actually think i'm probably going to see it through to the end because like as you mentioned me the battle system is awesome the story is great uh the music is incredible um there are like some rough edges here and there you know like it is you can you can yeah. feel that it like is their first game if it is or whatever i think i think it is but like that almost 
adds to the charm a little bit in a way. Um, not to say like that's the reason that I'm playing it by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I like pretty much everything about it way more than I can like really articulate. Um, and, and I think like what it really comes down to is just like really strong character writing. I love the representation in this game. There was a conversation in our discord recently about the representation in this game. And I think it's amazing. It's so good. It's so, it's so well written. Um, and, and like, I think that representation is, is extended out into those accessibility options. As we were talking about with the battle system with like the semi-auto and auto timing stuff. Um, there's an option which I turned on because th- this is not a thing that I personally struggle with, but there's an option for uh, enabling trigger warnings in the game. And I was just curious like how that kind of manifests itself in game. And like when you enter cutscenes, the game will pause and say like trigger warnings, you know, and like list all the things that are going to be discussed in the next cutscene, which like isn't going to spoil the cutscene or whatever. But like it's worth noting that like if that happens and you don't like it you can hold you know whatever your version of the start button is for whatever platform you're playing on and just skip that cutscene if like that's not a thing that you want to see and i think that's awesome uh there's stuff for like turning off the flashes you know for people who like might have uh epilepsy or something along those lines like I don't know. They, they just like really, really, really thought through everything that every kind of person would want and made this game as accessible as possible. And it like super works and pays off and is uh, a wholesome as shit. And I love it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's just like the exact kind of media I want to be consuming right now. You know, I completely agree. And I think it's just it's just, you know, this is I think as much as it's pulling from retro RPGs like this really does feel like just such a modern and like fresh take on. Yeah. On the medium itself. And like, if this is their first game, like I'm so excited to see what comes next, which is why I want people to buy this. It's like, yeah, if this, cause it, I, it, people have been kind to, like, I, I've seen a lot of positive discussion about it online, but like, I don't, you know, more is always better, you know? And I think like, yeah, if you're a fan of RPGs, you're going to love this. And I think if you're newer to the genre, they've done a lot to like welcome you into it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, I, I'm really liking this game, uh, as I mentioned, even more than I thought I was going to. So, yeah, I don't know. There's also, this is like a secret test that I have, I realize with myself, with like, Uh so I mentioned like the parts of the combat that frustrate me. If I love an RPG, I'll like put it down and like take some time away, but like I'll be thinking about playing it still. Mm. Like I, I think about what I could do differently next time or like different strategies. Yeah. And like, that's how I know it's like, it's working and we'll see, like it might, it might change as the game progresses. Cause I'm, I'm worried about like the late game stuff, but honestly, I think like I'm, I'm already so into the plot and the characters. I think I'll be fine. Um, and I imagine we'll talk about this again. Maybe we'll do like a spoiler episode or something. I would say it's, probably likely going to be on my list of 10 favorite games of the year interesting but we'll see uh so not to spoil it but it's great highly recommend yeah i can feel it's available on like pretty much every platform so yeah i guess except mobile but yeah yeah it would work really well on mobile i think actually I think so. Especially yeah. because the aspect ratio is, I think, four by five. So like it would. I didn't even realize that at first. Yeah, you're right. So like you could actually have on screen controls on the left and right in that blank space on a 16 by nine phone. That would look really good. The pacing of like the different dungeons and stuff just has such like a almost like Game Boy Zelda vibe to it. You know, yeah. like it's paced very nicely in that way. Hey, it's a good game. Go get it. Yeah, okay. go check it out. Uh, I can fail. Good, good stuff. Uh, cool. Oh yeah. Also, you can watch Steven play the first two hours of it on our YouTube. Oh yeah. If you wanna, if you wanna hear me fall in love and beat the first few bosses, <laughs> uh, it's there. Yeah. So, uh, it's cool. Oh, I, I, I did want to mention uh, to you, I have gotten the fourth 
party member at this point. Oh, cool. Um, so it's worth noting you can only have three at a time. Um, mm. But the person you get as the fourth party member is like only kind of in your party. They're like reluctantly there. So you actually don't get to control them. They act autonomously and, oh. and you have to like maneuver your characters around them, which I think is a really like wild and fascinating shift in the way the game works. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if I'm going to keep them in my party because like it almost like stresses me out to know that there's like an anarchic rogue agent like on my team <laughs> that I can't control. Um, but I just think like something for you to look forward to specifically. I think it's like a really cool shift that you're going to love. Yeah. That reminds me of like Vincent and FF7 just turning into like Frankenstein and, and you can't control them anymore. <laughs> uh, I, I guess to touch on like what else you have to look forward to with this game, like the other two party members I have Petronella, uh, they are like kind of the healer, but they're they're fashioned in a way that reminds me a lot of uh, I forgot the class name, but there's a class in uh, Final Fantasy Tactics that is like a healer, but they specifically use items. Mm. And and in this game, their uh, Petronella is the alchemist. Yeah, so they can heal. They have like a lot of ranged attacks. So like they'll just throw a bottle of poison at an enemy. Yeah, and their characters like they're very shy and and. They don't have like a ton of self-esteem, but they're like brilliant. So yeah. it just works like that. They're, they're the ranged healer. Mm-hmm. The recent character guy is Rook, who's like kind of a bookworm, um, but like is extremely intelligent as well. And he has like curses and like sigils he can put. So uh, there's a lot of like Full Metal Alchemist stuff going on too, which yeah. I'm into. Um, I just love the attention to detail of like. You can tell they know who these characters are and what they would excel at and what their weaknesses are. Right. And another Undertale DNA that I really love for some reason is like all the equipment is kind of like just mundane stuff. You'll find like ear earmuffs yeah. and like a sweater <laughs> and like that's your equipment. And even your wand is just something that like means anything to you, uh, right. which I think is a really cool like rule for magic. Yeah. Like really early on in the game, I think you can like, I think there's like a secret passage where you can find in the woods that gets you a fire poker that like lets you, yeah. that that is like, okay, so for a while your wand is just going to be a fire poker and that's cool. Uh, and going back to what you said earlier, just real quick with the end, like who the big bad is. I think it's interesting that like I've met a character without spoiling, I've met a character now who I've battled against that like, seemingly is the first person who's like without remorse a villain but even they have some kind of backstory where like they didn't used to be like that so i wonder if like the big bad is less of like an individual more of like some kind of change that comes over people yeah or like some kind of you know abstract idea uh which is a very rpg thing but i would love to see that yeah i'm i'm yeah i'm fascinated to see what's going to happen story-wise because I, th- I think it's just going to be i think it, i think it's gonna be more interesting than like this person is up to no good like i don't yeah. i don't think that that's right. going to be the the central conflict of the game sephiroth's in the been naughty again right yeah I, I can't see i can't see there being a sephiroth situation <laughs> um which i think is great i don't know this this is a really special game i highly recommend checking it out yeah it's a lovely game uh do you want to take a break and move on to the next segment yeah i'd love to do that Cool. See you then. Goodbye. We are back talking about Hyrule Warriors <laughs> Age of Calamity. That was a guitar solo. Nice. That was a really good guitar solo. Thank you. Get in, get out, you know, make your mark. Uh, Age of Calamity is maybe a prequel to Breath of the Wild. We'll get into that. <laughs> um, it is really fucking good already. So the demo is out. You can go download the demo uh, free on the Nintendo eShop for your Switch. Um, did you play the original Hyrule Warriors at all? Yeah, I did. 
Um, I did too. I had it on Wii U and then I bought it again on Switch and liked it both times. Yeah, I I think um I guess it's worth like touching on uh, I guess the overall genre of yes, like uh, Musou games. Um, but First Hour Warriors is like very much a a Warriors or a, a Musou game like that happened to have all the characters in it. Which, like, yeah. for that, I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I think when it came out, people were kind of, like, iffy on it, because that was following Skyward Sword and well before Breath of the Wild was even announced. So people were like, oh, is this the Wii U Zelda? Oh, no. Like, <laughs> like I, remember, I remember that sentiment being very in the air. But really, kind of weirdly, what it was was a similar kind of, like, hey, the next Zelda is taking a long time. Here's this in the meantime. But I think that... Hyrule Warriors was one of the the more fun experiences I had on the Wii U, especially for local co-op. Um, mm. It was a game where you could play as pretty much like every Zelda character from every game before, uh, I guess, Breath of the Wild. Right. The roster was amazing. And and when they re-released it on the Switch, they included all the DLC characters. So you could play as like the farm girl from Ocarina of Time. Like that's the level of like <laughs> who you can play as, which I loved. And she's like the hardest character to unlock too, which is kind of funny. But, like, I enjoyed it basically as, like, a very big fan of Zelda. Just, like, being able to, like, run around and and fight a bunch of goblins as, like, Princess Rudo or uh, King Darunia of the Gorons. Like, yeah. that to me was great. And I think... Linkle. Linkle. Uh, you can't forget Linkle. Linkle. That, also worth... That was developed by Team Ninja, who also make the uh, the Neo games. Oh, I didn't realize And that. I feel like it's worth... And they also make the Dead or Alive series, which, like... I think I bring that up because I feel like Musou games either they've got like a very loyal following and they also have a lot of criticism against them. Like as a genre, people kind of write them off. Yeah. And like I I fall on the more positive side. I think I haven't played enough of them to know like what my feelings are like overall entirely. Um, but I think they often kind of get misjudged as like, oh, this is repetitive or like this is like too easy. You know, you're fighting hordes and hordes of bad guys with combos and like all the bad guys kind of wait for you to kick their ass. You know, like it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a little, but I think what's actually happening is it shares a lot more DNA with like fighting games and weirdly RTS than, than a hack and slash like Bayonetta or God of War. Yes. It's a, it, those games are more of a test of efficiency than they are of like whether or not you win the battle, Like yeah. you're going to win. It, it's sort of a power fantasy of like taking on hordes of enemies with like sweeping attacks and just doing that, as like Linkle or or anyone in Hyrule Warriors was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But that game like very much took the Zelda elements pretty loosely. Like every now and then they'd be like, use a bomb to get through here. But like <laughs> right. it was pretty much a Warriors game that happened to have Hyrule characters. Yeah. Great locations. I mean, like the story was nonsense, oh, yeah. but like the locations were really fun. Just like revisiting totally. all those places. But yeah, I think you're about to get into why Age of Calamity is like a huge step forward. Yeah. And I think this is even apparent in the advertising. Like Age of Calamity, you could tell they worked much more closely with Nintendo. It's not Team Ninja this time. I think it's just Tecmo Koe. But like this is marketed as the canonical prequel to Breath of the Wild, which we'll talk about more. And it's very much set in the world of Breath of the Wild during the Calamity. Um, it looks like it's in Breath of the Wild. In many ways, it plays like it's in Breath of the Wild. It, it definitely feels like you're playing a Musou game, but like they've done a great job incorporating the mechanics. Like 
if you dodge an enemy attack just as they hit you, you do the flurry of attacks that's like right out of Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And there's a lot more variety in the attacks, which makes me think this might be like the Musou game that like appeases detractors of the genre because it doesn't feel repetitive as much. You yes. know, I think Hyrule Warriors, you eventually see the same animations enough that like you kind of fall either into a groove or into like a headache, um, <laughs> depending on how you're feeling at the yeah, time. Yeah, very much. Uh, but this game, like, you know, every character has their quick attack and their and their strong attack and their special attack. They've also got like the, you know, dodge at the right time attacks. They've got if you expose a weak point, they've got their own special attack on that. Plus, you can just find weapons like you can Breath of the Wild. You can find like a fire rod or whatever, and you can suddenly use that or like Link can use his arrow and his bombs. And like, it's really exciting. And you said this in the stream and not to not to put your words in my mouth, but you're like, if there was ever a time in Zelda to have a Musou game based on, it's the Calamity. It's when yeah. hordes and hordes of, of Ganon's minions show up and you have to take them out. So I think mechanically this game is like a dream. And we'll talk more about that. But I just think like this is such a clear step up in many ways from the original Hyrule Warriors, which I liked. But that was a game that was like fun for fans, and this is a game that like I think will be fun for everyone. Yeah, um, I'm so like, with you. Yeah, I, yeah. The Musou games is a genre I've I've been interested in for a while, but I've never really like dove into fully. Um, I used to play Dynasty Warriors like back in the day, co-op with friends, you know, on like the yeah. PS2 era. That was kind of like my introduction to that genre, and it was like a really cool like hangout after school like genre of video game. Totally. Oh yeah. Um, but I got Hyrule Warriors for the Wii U and like liked it, but kind of bounced off of it a little bit, and then got it again on Switch and got a little bit deeper into it. But like had that thing that you just talked about, where eventually it was like I've seen all the same stuff. The story is not compelling <laughs> at all. No, it's it's uh, like straight up bad. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's no like there's a certain point where you've seen so much of that game mechanically. And there's so little that's compelling about the story that you have actually finished the game long before it's actually over, I feel. Um, <laughs> right. And that's, right. that's not to knock on like people who like that game, because I'm sure there's like really cool shit and like end game stuff going on there and just like a lot of fun stuff to like ex explore. And yeah, there's some cool challenges and, and yeah. such. Yeah. Um, for fans of that genre, like I'm sure that that was like it seems like that was a pretty well received version of that. But this just really feels like the whole package. I mean, I couldn't. A, I couldn't believe how much fun I was having immediately. I was like really surprised at how how good it felt like right off the bat. Um, and B, the story is immediately awesome because we already like it's almost like the Titanic in a way, you know, like, you know, how <laughs> well, it's going to end kind of. Well, we'll get into it. But yeah, you, you kind of you know, how it's going to end. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like, oh, God, like, let me let me just see the events that lead up to this thing, you know, see what Zelda and friends like decide uh, are their last courses of action before the calamity takes over and then leads to Breath of the Wild in which you play in the post-apocalypse 100 years after this game, which is like a really cool conceit. Just to expand on your your uh, bit about the battling, I think they also rope in like a lot of really cool stuff specifically from Breath of the Wild. I mean, even down to the, the menu, like the pause menu is the menu for Breath of the Wild yeah. and like makes all the same sounds, which I was immediately like, oh my God, this this is just new Breath of the Wild content, which is weird that the menu made me feel that way. But also like Link and Zelda both have Sheikah slates and are able to use all of those powers. So you have the ability to throw remote bombs. You have the ability to freeze enemies, um, freeze time and attack them while they're frozen uh, and use Magnesis to like kind of suck up everybody's weapons and then throw them as like a big almost like your Magneto, like throw them as like a big weapon ball at somebody else. 
that stuff is great. I mean, the ways that yeah. they've incorporated Breath of the Wild are awesome. I mean, you're even picking up like food and and other objects out in the world that you can then use to like create recipes and like it has an almost that. Monster Hunter adjacent like yeah. okay, go very, very. cook some recipes before your next battle and it'll like do some extra uh like maybe you'll do extra damage or like have extra health and things like that, which is super compelling. Not only that, but like when you're done and you're in between battles, it zooms out and you see the map of the world that you've already seen from mm-hmm. playing Breath of the Wild, but they're, it's split up into the different regions and like by clearing the different battle areas or donating some of the resources you're finding as like while you're playing the game to different to the different regions, uh, you, you're like actually clearing those regions of the calamity, which is kind of interesting. Um, it's really immediately deep mechanically, yes, but it's so absolutely. easily parsable that I think like as you said, this is the maybe the like introductory Musou game for people who are like maybe interested in that genre. Um, it it just agree. feels so compelling so quickly, like almost from go. And that's not even to mention like how great the cutscenes have been already. Like the voice acting yeah. is not as silly as I was expecting outside of uh, the scientists. But like even that is great, uh, which I don't really yeah. want to spoil. Well, you can go watch the stream if you're interested in it. But like good shit. It's the same. I think it's the same voice actors as the original. At least Zelda sounds exactly the same. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, I think another thing that stood out for me, too, is like switching between characters feels really good. Like, and I don't know if this has been in other Musou games, but when you're controlling, there's, there's a map where you're controlling Link, Zelda, and Impa. Also, just worth saying, Impa's so fucking good. Like, yeah. I think, like, in Hyrule Warriors, you have the novelty of the roster, um, and I imagine, like, mechanically, there are big differences, but, like, it starts to feel a little samey other than the animations, but, like, here, it feels like everyone, at least with those three, fundamentally play differently. Yes. Like, an Impa is just so fun to play as. She can make copies of herself that all attack in unison. Like, really cool. I, I hope this game coming out in November as a lead up to Impa being in Smash. I'm calling it now. Uh, Young Impa and Smash would be so fucking wow. rad. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Um, honestly, I've been thinking for a long time that a Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity character was going to show up at some point. Impa would be a great pick. Or any of the champions. And I think the demo strategically cuts right before the champions are introduced. And I think that's going to be the heart of this game. Because mm. that's what everyone wants. That's what the DLC was. And so everyone still wants is like more champion yeah. time, you know, like everyone loves those characters and you only get a little bit with them in the, in the main game. I think switching between the characters and also, I don't, again, I don't know if this is in other Musou games, but giving characters orders that you're not controlling is such a good addition. Yeah, that was in that, that at least was in Hyrule, the first Hyrule Warriors. As oh, well. Okay. Well, either way, I just think it, for some reason it felt more seamless to me this time around. I totally to like, agree. I, yeah, that yeah. is a, that is a thing that I locked into a lot in the first game. And like, for some reason just feels better in this one. I don't know why. Yeah. And maybe it's the map or it's the familiarity of like, it's like unconsciously the menus like look familiar. So I'm less like yeah. intimidated. I had a very hard time following the map in the first Hyrule Warriors. Mm-hmm. And like, this is a little better. Um, You know, it's still sometimes a little confusing, like where to go, but like, it's so beautiful. And so like, you're back here in this place that I don't really mind. Yeah. I also love the addition of like, at least with Link, when he changes equipment, it's all like the different armor from the game. So like, he'll be wearing, I'm a sucker for seeing what the equipment looks like. Uh, I hope that's the same for the other characters. But like, yeah, the, the, the variety between like Link's very familiar attacks, 
Impa's like kind of stealth, making copies of herself, like ninja skills. And then uh, Zelda just like swinging a giant magnet around. Yeah, Zelda, then... Zelda's attacks, all of her attacks are just the Sheikah Slate attacks. Yeah. So like yeah. while while Link is able to pull up those attacks and use them like here and there and like you have to wait for them to recharge. That is all Zelda has going on, which rips. It is so fun to just be like, bomb, 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 Zelda. Or sorry, Zelda. What? Uh, magnet. I also love like the, the, the killer cam where she pulls out. She takes, takes, a, takes a picture of everyone and they all die. I love that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's it's really fun i think um i i had mixed feelings about some of the story stuff which i guess we can talk a little bit about yeah um i i do want to put like a spoiler note there before we sure. start talking about it but uh, just like last last quick take is uh i wasn't expecting to like this as much as i did uh if you if you go to our youtube you can watch the stream where you can see me really turn around on this game very quickly yeah. um i it it has gone from like maybe i'll check it out but i'm gonna wait for the reviews to like i'm probably gonna buy this immediately as soon as it comes out I, I'm, I'm definitely gonna get it it is too. one of my more anticipated games for the rest of the year now yeah i i especially because like i don't know what else is coming out at the end of the year but even outside of that like i really want to play the rest of this yeah um based on what they set up here so yeah i think i mean to be completely honest i wasn't expecting this game to have like a hugely compelling narrative like really? you i was most interested well I that took was this the as thing like, that I thought was going to be the reason to get this game was how good the narrative was going to be. If they were working with Nintendo and calling it a prequel to the... Should we just talk about the story now? Should we say this yeah, is story that's, time? Yeah, that's what I was... Yeah, this yeah, is... Yeah, this okay. is uh, gather around, children. This is story time. <laughs> a is um, for the apple that... Um, <laughs> But I found a worm inside. Hey, if you, if you don't want any spoilers about what's happening in this game at all, uh, now is the time to, I guess, bail. Uh, if you're listening on a podcast app that supports chapters, you can just skip to the next chapter. Um, yeah. In, in the episode. six sign off after story time. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about the story stuff that happens because it is wildly compelling and I'm amazed that it's all in the demo. So I guess I should say, you know, going off expectations first. Uh, now that we're in story time, last morning, okay, story stuff. I saw this game, like, when they introduced this game, they said like, hey, Breath of the Wild 2 is taking too long. We hope you enjoy this. We've been working on it. Hope yeah. you like it. And I kind of went into this, like, I expected higher than than uh, Hyrule Warriors narrative. Yeah. But I also knew that it was going to be like kind of, I expected it to not be bad narratively but i was like this is just sort of experiencing the calamity and that's kind of what i wanted from it is like okay this is just like seeing the end of days with these characters Mm -hmm. and like i didn't really need it to be anything else uh what's happening here the first the first cutscene of this game is is a baby guardian seemingly like in the midst of the end of the world at the end of hyrule yeah and it kind of like takes video footage of what's happening then jumps into a time port a chrono trigger time hole you're uh, leaving out a, an important bit here which is okay, that go for it yeah <laughs> what what it opens with is what we have already seen from breath of the wild of zelda in her last moments before the calamity takes over oh okay cast- i might have i'm so i missed that I oh okay how. yeah casting yeah. a spell you know to like kind of hold ganon at bay which is the you know you start the game in breath of the wild like a hundred years after that um right but you know she she is doing whatever she can to like keep ganon contained to the castle um and as she's doing that it it is implied at least it was implied to me that 
in so doing has also activated this baby guardian and sent it back in time. That completely changes most of what I was going to say because I didn't see that part of it somehow. I must've been in the kitchen or something. I just saw the baby traveling through time. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it, it it was, it seemed to me like she was activating it and sending it back to herself with the knowledge of what's going to happen. That rules. Okay. That's so much better. Cause like, Basically, what ends up happening after that is like, wow, this complete. It's so funny because Steven and I have been like low key arguing off the show about <laughs> the story of this game. And I'm like, I think this is great. I can't believe you don't like it. And it's OK. It all it all is melding together now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was just like time traveling, baby, like, <laughs> like without any anyone else. OK, so the the baby guardian shows up and then it cuts to like the mural we've seen where it's like Ganon, Zelda and Link hieroglyphic and then the little baby is added. Um, and it's now a hundred years prior. Uh, so, you know, we're seeing like the King of Hyrule talking to all the troops Uh, and Link is just one of a couple years prior, not a hundred. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Cause the calamity is yet to happen. You're right. Yeah. You get this. You have a little Hyrule textbook. Um, (laughs) friend that knows a lot about Minecraft. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. So anyway, you see stuff like the King of Hyrule talking to, to all the soldiers and Link is like just one of them. Because uh, at that time, like he has yet to really prove himself. Yeah. Um, which I love. It's great. I love that yeah. too. Yeah. And you see, you know, Zelda and, and, and young Impa, who's like immediately great. And the the Guardian is introduced and it, and it eventually, and I'm skipping some beats here, but just like broad strokes. The Guardian shows them like what's going to happen. Yeah. And in one of the early fights, and I think this is like, I should really enjoy this level because it just shows like how much it takes to take one guardian out. Right. The guardians have started to turn because the guardians were actually weapons used by the kingdom to fight Ganon. Right. But a couple have like been possessed by Ganon's magic and like the whole Musa battle is to deal with like one derelict guardian, yes. which like, I thought was really cool. It was really great. Yeah. Um, my point of tension was that this whole time we, uh, hey, we've got a whole episode of Breath of the Wild. Huge fan. This is like, I'm coming at this from the energy of like a 1999 Star Wars fan seeing Phantom Menace. <laughs> like, that's how sacred. I'm, I'm rarely going to be like this. This like musk in the air, I promise, dear listener, is not going to be an often recurring thing. <laughs> but uh, basically, like, I was worried that they were kind of stealing the moments I loved of Zelda, like, being as powerful as she was in the first game. Yeah. Like, throughout that whole game, through the flashbacks, you're seeing Zelda, and by proxy Link, but Zelda, like, the two chosen heroes, and this is something we talked a lot about with my friend Sadie on on the Breath of the Wild bonus episode, but the two chosen heroes are not sure of themselves, and no one else is really sure of them. Right. Like, Everyone wants Zelda to be ready, but no, she isn't. Or her dad, who's like, you're focusing on the wrong things. And she's like, fuck you. Uh, And Link is just like totally not ready. And everyone like very much just tells it to his face. They're like, dude, like Zelda needs something right now. And you're nothing. Right. (laughs) You know, like you're just a a guy with a sword. sword. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And no helmet. You don't even have a helmet. What, what the arc of that game secretly is, is like Zelda slowly dealing with like all this tragedy, being powerful enough to keep Ganon at bay for a hundred years, and then finally like actually being the one that saves the day. Like Link helps her there, but like 
she is the one who comes into her full being at the end and like is the hero of that story, which I love. Right. I love that. I was worried that this like time traveling baby was like the secret one. It's like, oh, if they just had this baby, they could have <laughs> prevented the calamity from happening. I'm like, I hate this. Yeah. Because you're robbing Zelda of those moments. But if it's Zelda who did it, fine. I co-signed that the That was baby. the implication to me. I mean, you can yeah. again, you can go back and watch the stream and see that bit for yourself. But to me, even if that wasn't the case, even if it isn't Zelda, you know, sending it back, but, you know, it is the baby just like somehow, you know, coming to life out of nowhere and <laughs> taking the fucking iPhone video and then going back in time. And I don't know. Even that, I think, is interesting. So uh, we haven't seen the whole story, obviously, but even that right. I think could be interesting because like it would show that I think Zelda and Link and the champions might be intuitive enough to say like, okay, all of our initial instincts for how to stop this, we should go against those and see if that changes things. Um, and that also might not change things. You know, we don't know how the game ends either. Um, right. But I, I do think there's a lot of like rich narrative soil that uh, is being kind of ground up here that, I, that I'm really curious to see how they interact with it. Because I could see a lot of people being upset at this being an alternate timeline in general, because it has so clearly been billed as a prequel to Breath of the Wild. Uh, the fact that there is like any kind of alternate timeline thing happening at all, I could see turning a lot of people off. I think personally it allows for more interesting storytelling. Um, knowing that it doesn't need to be canon yeah. kind of right. means that they can do whatever, um, which I, I think is thrilling. Because now I mean, it is it is literally like if, if, if the movie Titanic, just to bring Titanic back into it, if the movie sure, Titanic yeah. ended with that woman sending her necklace back in time that somehow had the memory of the ship sinking and like Jack and Rose are trying to figure out how to get people off the boat ahead of time. And like, it doesn't work or something like that's if a the cool story. Are, if the episode for this week is the time traveling baby on the Titanic, I'm going to leave the show. You can't give me that idea and then not let me do it. <laughs> No, go for it. I love you. You know that. But uh, yeah, I I agree. I think, I mean, I've got a pretty strong vibe, at least in the demo, that this game is going to be about preventing the calamity, which makes sense because like, honestly, like it would be kind of a bummer to end on like everyone you love dying. And like in a weird way, <laughs> Breath of the Wild already kind of is a prequel to itself with the memories and with like so much of that narrative being in flashbacks that right. like it's almost irrelevant to have a prequel. So I, I would be totally cool with this game being like, here's a what if story, you know, what if Zelda yeah. sent this baby, not the baby just being this like retcon thing, but Zelda mm -hmm. sending this baby uh, to give them guidance to like prevent it from happening. That could be great. And that could be a cool like standalone what if story. I'm totally into that. Um, I was worried that like the presence of that of that guardian was like implying that like that's what they needed to win. And I'm like, that sucks. Like <laughs> I, I, I trust Zelda and Link more than this like brand new character who yeah. like is tipping the scales but again and is like we didn't we haven't even mentioned like the vibe of the baby guardian but it's just like they watched the new star wars trilogy and they were like we love bb8 we're gonna put bb8 in our breath of the wild prequel <laughs> we love jar jar we're gonna put jar jar <laughs> but yeah i um that, that <laughs> oh, changes no. things that changes for me pretty dramatically um they're just a couple a couple nitpicks again i am such a giant Zelda fan that like I'm more sensitive to stuff that shouldn't matter but like 
One thing that I kind of wish was there, and this is like totally nitpicky and is not going to get in the way of me enjoying the game, but because this is before the Calamity, I kind of wish there was like more stuff around. Like I always got the impression that like a lot of the open wilderness around the castle was because it was all destroyed. Yeah, I, I'm so with you on this nitpick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a little it's a little weird and I get that it's like for a Musou game, so it'd be hard to like have like narrow streets of like towns and stuff, but like... But imagine if they had narrow streets and towns and stuff that would be a really fascinating place to set yeah. a big battle like this and that would go back to like the original like dynasty warriors games right. also which also and, were and that. uh yeah. they because they mentioned it in breath of the wild the like, katano village is like one of the few places that was like untouched and like that's what the world kind of looked like mm-hmm. um so i kind of wish there was like more towns and cities to see because at least right now it just feels like it's exactly like it was after the calamity um so that's like a little nitpick and the other thing too is like the towers come out of the ground and impa's like what are these i'm like you what this is i thought this was like a known thing like that seems like something Don't she all should the towers know. come out of the ground at the beginning of uh breath of the wild when you first enable the sheikah slate though yeah but they come up in this game too i just feel like that was something that like the sheikahs were savvy about you know mm. yeah maybe. this is this is more like youtube angry guy stuff right now <laughs> but but the, the 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 wanting to see the world as it was and maybe they'll do that in the other regions like when you go to see rivali or or daruk like or or bosa or mifa um You'll see. Are you just uh, showing off or what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> what happened was I just didn't want to leave anyone out. Yeah, that's I'm not nice. showing off that I know the guardians. Of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you want to see the happy mass salesman or uh, cafe or tingle. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very excited for this game. You tell me that has changed my my way. But yeah, that's that's my one gripe. Is I want to see pre-calamity life, baby. Take advantage of the setting of the timeline. Yeah. I'm just I'm just like really, really interested to see if this game kind of goes the same way as the original Ohio Warriors. I think having a story that is even remotely compelling is really going to carry this game very far. Even if you get tired of playing as those characters and their mechanics, I think like I will I will put up with it if the story is compelling enough to pull me through, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know what the multiplayer situation is for this game, but like, I'm so excited to play this with friends at some point in time. Yeah. Like, I, I hope, you know, I wonder if it's online. I'm actually going to check right now. I'm curious. Yeah. Age of calamity. <laughs> Eshop. Mm, it doesn't say anything about online. It might only be couch co-op. Hmm. Okay. If you pre-order the game, you get a ladle as a weapon. Oh, Oh my god, I love that. Yeah, I, I holy shit. Yeah, Link with a ladle. The is lucky like ladle. The lucky ladle. Um also like they showed footage of you being able to play as the divine beast, like as like a mech, just like blowing up hordes of enemies, which is unreal. Yeah. So like this game is gonna be great. Like it's <laughs> that's what, like playing what I have with the demo and seeing that that eventually is a thing is like enough for me to be like, yeah, I'll bite. Yeah. Um and like I really like I know I'm I I have my nitpicks but like I just love this world so much that even if they like miss the mark completely I would still enjoy my time with this you know yeah like, me too probably I mean I, I'm gonna I'm gonna at least play it more than the original Hyrule Warriors which was a pretty decent amount already you know yeah uh, totally. so I'm excited about it I am interested have you played Fire Emblem Warriors no and I'm like always close to getting it me too uh, I am like the- really always teetering <laughs> on the edge of getting that game. 
It's worth noting that that game is primarily characters from Awakening and uh, Birthright and Conquest. Mm. So like, if there was a Three Houses Warriors, I would be, you know, already talking about it. Dear Nintendo. Um, dear Nintendo. I'm sure they'll do it again. But yeah, I've heard good things about that one. That was another like well-received yeah. like Musou game. I think, I think having IPs, it, it's a pretty good blueprint to have fun with, I feel like. Mm. And having IPs that like you could throw a dash of like what defines that game into the mix is always kind of fun to see. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll get that and just play it and have a good time. I think you probably would have a good time. Yeah. Or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it sucks. Maybe it sucks. <laughs> I have no idea. I really I no don't know. Idea. I'm just looking at screenshots right now. It looks pretty good. Yeah. But also it's going to be like a Fire emblem story, which I don't think is going to be as compelling as a Hyrule Warriors story, you know? Yeah, I mean, for that for that particular mix, it's probably going to be a lot of like, what'd you see over there? And then it's the battle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there are burglars in town. <laughs> <laughs> I know there are a couple characters from older games as well. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll look into it. I'll let you know, dear yeah. listener and Brendan. Cool. Do you have anything else that you're like interested in checking out anytime soon? I'm I'm in this weird space where like I feel like we were like, I don't know, squeezing a lot of games uh, into into the our game time very quickly uh in the recent months you know and now we kind of like both have free time uh, yeah and we can kind of play whatever like or is there anything that you're like interested in checking out soon or like anything that you're playing on the side right now that you're interested in maybe talking about eventually or what's going on yeah sure um i mean i have uh i'm, I'm meaning to eventually get ghost of tsushima i've got like a few oh, games yeah. that have come out this year that i want to play before our game of the year episode and with the co-op they added to ghost of tsushima which i yeah. hear is like almost better than the actual game uh i really want to see that so i'm waiting for a sale for that one still i don't know if there's gonna be one i mean maybe Maybe around like Black Friday ish, but yeah, I just think like considering they just rolled out that huge free update, I could see that's them true. saying like this is going to be 60 through the year. Yeah, that's 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 one of the games that like I'm it's still on my like list to get. Um, I get my Xbox next week, which is oh, <laughs> wild. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of stuff on Game Pass for that. Um, in terms of my backlog, I, I do have like I keep a list of games I want to finish. I guess most notably, I've been streaming Bloodborne uh, weekly for the last couple of weeks. I'm going to do it again this coming Friday. So two days after this episode comes out, um, have been enjoying being back in Bloodborne so much. This has been my favorite playthrough of it. Like, mm. and I was just talking to you off air. Like it, it's one of those games. There are a couple games that like really shine when you go back to them. It's a weird thing to say, but like Bloodborne's a game that like when you first play it, you'll like maybe like it, maybe you won't. And then you go back, it'll probably click. And then if you go back, you'll like love it. Yeah. Cause like there's just less of a barrier and like you get to enjoy what makes that game great. Yeah. I had the same thing with Dragon Age Origins. Like that was a game I picked up after playing Mass Effect and I was like, yeah, this is okay. It's like fantasy Mass Effect, but you know, it's not the same. And then I went back to it and I'm like, oh my God, I can make anyone do anything. Like I can <laughs> role play as anyone I want to be. And yeah. there's like a fully written backstory for like every possible character like what <laughs> and that's something you would only enjoy if you had like messed around with it for a bit and then have gone back to it mm-hmm. anyway bloodborne is a game i want to see through i'm slowly working through persona 3 
I, I oh, finished wow. Persona 5 Royal. I'm near the end of Persona 3. We have a couple friends uh, of our, our mutual friends who are huge Persona fans and they love Persona 3. So I'm like yeah. doing it for myself and doing it for them. And a couple other games. I want to finish CrossCode eventually. I kind of had to put that on the back burner, even though I really loved it. So I have like a bit of a backlog, but like I don't think it's it's either possible or like enjoyable to finish every game I pick up. Oh, like, yeah, I'm totally very not. fine with being like, did I value this experience? Like, can I move on? Do I want to see it through? Something like I can fell. I want to see it through to the end. Something like cross code. I want to see it through to the end when that's going to happen. I don't know, but like I do want to finish. I can fell before the Goaty episode for sure. Yeah, I think I do too. I, I'm actually, I'm really surprised that I can fell is the game that I want to finish, but I'm excited to do so. Cause I'm, I'm yeah. so drawn into that story. Um, and I'm kind of bummed that I didn't feel that way about cross code the more I played it. But like, I do think I'll probably go back to CrossCode eventually as well. Yeah, I've heard that CrossCode is like worth seeing the ending. Yeah, I did kind of bump up against like some like mid game stuff where I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do with this puzzle or like whatever. But like, I just like the game enough to like go back to it eventually. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I'm just like, so I guess the big things are like, I've got a few like RPGs I want to see through. It's usually if I I like a game story, I want to see it through to the end. And I got Game Pass coming my way soon, so that will be like a whole fiasco, a tragedy. Yeah, I'm Uh, really interested to see what kind of stuff pops up on Game Pass before the end of the year. Yeah. Because I imagine there's like at least one or two more like Eichenfell level indie games that are going to drop on Game Pass at some point before the year is done that I'm... A big one is Ori 2. I've been like saving... Oh, you haven't played it yet. Oh, yeah, cool. But I I have Ori 1 on Switch and they ported Ori 2, but I'm like, well, that's on Game Pass. I'll just wait until I get an Xbox. Oh, yeah. So... That's another one that came out this year that's kind of up in there. How about you? What's on your backlog or, or radar? So, I mean, for those of you who are following our Twitch and YouTube accounts, uh, I'm currently playing through Link's Awakening every morning. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. It's been so much fun to yeah, watch you play that. Which, like, wild that there's, like, a whole-ass Zelda game on the Switch that I feel like just doesn't get talked about, really. You know? I mean, <laughs> it is technically a remake of, of another you know of the game boy advance or no sorry game boy color game um game boy that's an old one is man. it just that game boy like, yeah that was that i might was, be thinking of uh, Link's awakening dx which i think was the the color remake for the <laughs> game boy color yeah it was the one after i think link to the past uh mm. before ocarina yeah it's Oracle uh, games were the color ones it's uh it's really good i mean so the switch version when it came out i think like most notably had a bunch of performance issues people knew that like back at e3 when they first had like hands-on demos with it they were like this thing chugs but i think honestly play at least at least like playing it docked and like live on the internet every morning i haven't really noticed the frame rate drops like impacting my enjoyment of the thing at all i noticed them don't get me wrong but I'm not a person who's that sensitive to frame rate where it's like, this is unplayable. I'm bringing it back to fucking EB games. <laughs> like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm not Sam that guy. Goody. I want my money back. <laughs> I'm not that guy at all. So I, I don't know. I'm really, really, really enjoying it. I mean, I was like, you know, the first episode of that series, I think so far, I was just like swooning for like a whole ass hour. It's beautiful. I, I, I saw footage of it, but for some reason, seeing you play it live, like cemented how beautiful that game is. It's yeah. hard to express. It's really stunning. Yeah. And, and the soundtrack is just like unbelievable. So, it, I mean, if you're interested in seeing that game or like seeing a playthrough of it, I'm doing that every morning uh, on Twitch. So that's been really cool uh, playing I Can Fell at the moment. My partner just got Pikmin 3 Deluxe for the Switch, which was a game that uh-huh. I was like... 
not really thinking about getting, but I've been watching her play it over her shoulder and like, man, that game looks really, really fun. Like really yeah. fun. I think I will probably pick that up. You and I were talking about it off the show a little bit. I think that's going to be like a January, February game. Yeah, that's our that's our January obsession. Where yeah, there's like no games coming out. We're like, how about we get into FF14? For like, <laughs> which I another game I want to get back to, but I'm like, OK, I can I can wait on this. Yeah. The subscription. So yeah, uh, Pikmin yeah. 3 is is on the radar at the moment. Um, I did just download a mobile game called Arknights based on a recommendation I saw on, I think in a, in a Polygon article. Um, that's like, uh, I think the Polygon article was called like Arknights is the only gotcha game I'd recommend to people, <laughs> which uh, I'm excited to check out because it just like looks really interesting from just like a gameplay and like strategy perspective. So interested in that, but also just like very open to checking out a bunch of shit. Uh, game Pass in particular, I've been downloading just a ton of stuff and just like kind of popping in and out of games recently but yeah i think that i think the two big ones though honestly before the end of the year are revisiting and finishing ghost of tsushima and finishing persona 5 royal um Mm. those are kind of like my two like big games that i want to see through uh before the year is out yeah i'd say at least get to the new semester if you can because that's like will help you judge that game as its own thing yeah come go to the episode but yeah i also i i want to finish um another backlog game that i want to finish are the oracle games so mm. there's all the connection there yeah i do think i'm gonna play majora's mask by the way on 3ds because after talking yes. about it last week i like really 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 like felt the urge to play that um, and I went and checked, like, I think I mentioned on the episode, I don't know if I did, but I, I went and checked my 3DS, like, as we were recording the episode, and, like, I have it, it's downloaded, I just don't think I've ever oh, yeah. opened it, uh, for some reason or another, so I think I might check that out soon. And also, I've been getting back into Animal Crossing, and I think you and I are gonna talk about that eventually, I think we'll probably do mm-hmm. another Live in a Little segment soon. Um, yeah, totally. But I kind of got back into it around when fall happened. I, I, like, didn't play it at all, all summer, and, like, when I came back into it, all of my villagers were just like, I haven't seen you in three real actual months. <laughs> <laughs> where have you been um yeah so i don't know getting back into it has been really fun fall is so good in animal crossing and i'm really excited for winter specifically i'll add to like our our plethora of content about new horizons like this game feels like like i feel like a lot of other animal crossing games are designed in a way that they kind of punish you for not playing it <laughs> yeah. and i, and I feel, you still have a little bit of that you have the weeds and you might even have cockroaches in your house yeah but like it does feel like it's also designed for you to like actually take breaks yeah and like when you do like it always kind of rewards you for coming back there's always stuff to see and like your villagers are happy to see you like it won't people won't like surprise move out and there's like stumps and roaches everywhere yeah like in the first one i actually Uh, really really enjoy the overgrown weed vibe in me too horizons i actually i i purposely have let a bunch of weeds I left grow. sections just yeah. being natural yeah i totally agree and also the 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 way the weeds look change depending on the season as well so like right now in the game at least you know it where steven and i live in the world uh it's fall so we have like kind of like a like grass is a more like brownish green kind of like a dying like getting ready for winter grass and all the weeds have turned into kind of like uh what are they called I just got the the word for it. Like dandelions? No, not dandelions. They're like it's, it almost looks like wheat. It almost looks like like yeah, stalks like of reeds. Wheat in a way. It, reeds. Yeah. That's the word I was yeah. looking for. Yeah. yeah. Um. It looks awesome. It looks so cool. I just have a bunch of them on like the beach and stuff. Like it looks great. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's been something like I've I pretty much like once I made my secret bookstore in the woods. <laughs> I haven't made any new things and I still don't have a basement. I have a whole plan for my basement. I've got an upstairs I know nothing to do with, but I want to make my basement an underwater theme. Mm. Uh, I was going to turn mine into a, a tiki bar was my plan. Ooh, uh, I've got the midnight hop 
you know, on, on the island sunset. Yeah. But I, I've just been checking, I check in in the morning for like a half hour or like while I drink coffee, I'll just like turn it on. Mm. And it's just nice. It's a nice, like, it's nice to have that because I think it was so all consuming and gripping when it came out. Yeah. Uh, which was a lot of fun, but it's nice to have it be like what I always want it to be is just a little respite. Mm. It's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot going on at the moment. I have a lot of games in my backlog and a lot of stuff that I want to be playing. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about next week, but I'm excited about it. Yeah. It's nice to not know. Cause this has been a busy month with like uh, spooky season and our bonus. Yeah. And then uh, 13 Sentinels came out of fucking nowhere. And like, <laughs> yeah. Then I inhaled it like Kirby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a nice end of the year for, for the games, baby. Yeah. Okay. I think it's time for us to wrap up, huh? I think so. Cool. Once we both start kind of drifting into like, the cloud realm we should <laughs> close the episode cloud realm yakisoba pun <laughs> 1985 time traveling baby <laughs> the titanic uh hey thank you so much for listening we always appreciate it um if you like the show the best way to help it grow is to recommend it to a friend who might also like it you can also give us five stars on apple podcasts or you know however you deem worthy five is preferable <laughs> Uh, it does help. Uh, we also have a Patreon. Thank you to our, our very generous patrons. We've seen a couple new ones. As always, if donating to the show ever puts you in a weird financial situation, uh, it's totally cool if you back out. We understand it's a it's a weird time right now. Um, and just in general, ever, if that's ever the case, you know, we can do the show without financial support, but that financial support helps us grow. It helps us uh, pay AJ to edit eight-hour episodes that we drop on him last minute. It helps us buy better equipment. It helps us buy games we might be on the fence about. We just full disclosure, Brendan and I buy most of the games ourselves, but like we say, we save a lot of that money and we'll use that on stuff that like we may not be interested in on a personal level, but like have to check out in some way or like feel compelled to check out. Yeah, Death Stranding was a good example. Death Stranding is one of them. Speaking of which, like I. That is going to be my like deep winter game, which I'm so excited one. to like yeah. really like hunker down and play that. It's either going to be that or Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, interesting. Okay. But I think it's probably going to be Death Stranding. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we've got uh, a bunch of links at Twitch. Dot, oh, hold on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cut that out. No, please do. I sound like I'm 80. Hey, we've got the YouTube at AOL.biz. Um, into the cast online is the link that you can go to that has links to our Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, (laughs) Twitch, medium, uh, Spotify, email, a bunch of links. You like links. Uh, that's also where you can join the discord as well. Do you like links? You're going to love when he wakes up links awakening (laughs) Nintendo switch. Um, the discord is lovely. Uh, shout out to the discord as always. This is what happens when you let me sign off when I'm like comforted by like, oh, Brennan's got this one. Um, but for real, we we really appreciate the support. We just put out a uh, bonus episode that we've gotten a lot of positive feedback on. So thank you for your kind words. Yeah. And yeah, uh, we're excited for the months ahead. Um, we're already kind of gearing up. This is like, ac- like we're always talking about the Goatee episode, but this is like actually where we have to like plan and look at things and like, you know, Revisit really stuff. check yeah. in. I'm going to go replay all of Final Fantasy VII Remake, I think is my oh, plan. Oh, hell yeah. I'm so yeah, excited. It's been, this has been a really, a really active year for games. So I'm excited to, I, I this is the first time I may not know like what our lists are going to look like. Yeah, like, honestly, I think, I mean, I think it's, 
pre- uh, maybe less so, but pretty clear what our number ones are going to be. But maybe. two through ten. Oh, boy. No yeah. idea. No yeah. clue. It's interesting that like the one season where we had different number ones was uh, when we did only when we only did the show for six months of the year. Yeah. I wonder if that has any impact on it. But um, I do have 30 games currently. Just I just counted. <laughs> I have 30 games on my list of potentials for the top 10. Do you listen to Into the Aether? I did. When they made the Goatee episode, uh, Games of the Decade Part 2, and it was just <laughs> for 2020, I, I unsubscribed. I mean, just the fact that there are 30 possible Game of the Year candidates that we've talked yeah. about this year is really cool. Um, oh, absolutely. I, I don't know. There, this has obviously been one fucked up year, uh, and I'm just really glad, I, I guess, that like even amidst that we found some stuff that has brought us joy like this yeah it's it's more value now than ever to see this kind of artistic creation still happening yeah uh and at this level totally i totally agree yeah just once again thank you all so much for the support brendan and i love making this show uh it, it has helped us so much throughout this year that we're really glad that other people have found joy in it as well and uh, just thank you for being part of it yeah yeah man it's cool making this podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, my name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You find me at Stephen Hilger. Have a wonderful week. Yes, please. Goodbye. Time traveling, baby. Oh, oh. <laughs> the snaps are good. Yeah. I, yeah, I thought that worked. <laughs> TikTok, baby. Oh, right. man. I'm so Goodbye. excited to lie down and play I Can Fell. Yeah. It's going to be a too. nice way Let's to close that. out the day. Absolutely. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. TWG, the worst garbage dot online.